Friends, welcome back to the Ransom Heart Podcast. John Eldridge with Alan Arnold and Sue on our team this week. We are picking up the second in a series of conversations around my new book, around Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. We're just going to cherry pick and give you some of the real good stuff out of the book. So this week, I brought Sue in because I thought it'd be good to hear from a woman's voice and a woman's perspective on what you enjoyed about the book. But before I ask you that, I want you to describe your last week. Like, how how is your week? How are things going? Oh, my gosh, John. This is my busiest time of year at Ransomed Heart. It's year-end for our financial stuff. We have to send letters to every donor from the whole year by a certain deadline from the IRS and I just have and, so much, yeah. And Brad's asking you to get budgets yes. ready for, oh my gosh. for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 2020, let me finish 2019 first. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. been a little harried. Yeah. And then throw in my home life. Yeah. And it's a, a- bit much lately. Aging mom needs yeah. some care. Yes. Lots of appointments. Lots of appointments. Running here and there. Right. And nobody seems to consider the fact that I have a job. <laughs> Right. And I need to work. Yes. And it's my busiest time of year. And it's the busiest time of year. Yeah. And so spirit of the conversation is, I've been introducing the show as, it's a gnarly time to be a human being. Mm -hmm. God cares very much about our humanity. Yeah. And this is an hour where wholeheartedness doesn't really feel like an option anymore. Yeah. Right? Right. So what about the book? What about these practices rang with you? Like what resonated for you? Well, it all resonated, to be honest. It's hard to cherry pick a topic, but it's kind and gentle in how it picks at those places that really need attention. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying that to me. You came in, you mm-hmm. came in, gosh, months ago after reading an advanced copy. Yeah. And, and you said, it's really kind. Yeah. Yeah. I actually also sent you a text with lots of emojis on it that you hate. But um, I, <laughs> I don't I just, hate text. I'm just not a big emoji Yes, guy. but you were gone in the summer for mm-hmm. your sabbatical time, and mm-hmm. I just had to say something. Um, so I'm just going to read it if oh, I can. Oh, please. Yeah. yeah. So I know you won't be seeing this very soon, and I know you hate emojis. <laughs> I know this isn't the best way of communicating my appreciation, but I just turned the last page of your book, and I had to tell you how deep and rich and hopeful and kind Mm. and actually doable it is. And disruptive and convicting and lovely and pure, like a stream of crystal clear water bubbling into my dry and weary soul. Well done, John. Mm, Thank you, Subi. And that's how I felt, like truly. The picture on the cover, the parched being yeah, the craziness. Yeah. The craziness of life. Yeah. I think we all are parched. Yeah. I don't think that that's unique to um, people in ministry. I don't think it's unique to people in the helping professions. I, I just I just think it's a hard time, yeah. you know, on, right. on human hearts and souls. Yeah. And, and so if, if you could pick a chapter to talk yeah. about, what, what would you want to talk about? Well, I picked the chapter on kindness. Okay. Yeah. Like I can see— how a lot of people aren't very kind to themselves. And it's just interesting, especially when my plate is extremely full, that I don't feel like I'm not being kind 
but I got stuff I got to get done. Yeah. You know, but. Oh, we yeah. didn't even throw in your poor dog, too, oh, because you were taking gosh. the dog to the vet. Good grief. <laughs> it was like. Yeah, my dog's dying. My mom's dying. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> yes, and nobody's dead, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. there was a lot being asked of you. There, yeah. And I think our friends can resonate with that. Yeah. That's just kind of going around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not alone, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah, the the chapter on kindness, but it's so easy for me to see how others, my friends, my my family, my coworkers who aren't being very kind to themselves, but mm. it's kind of actually hard to see it where I'm not being kind to me. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I actually highlighted, you know, your beloved dog is dying is how this chapter starts. And then you lose a parent, that whole thing. It was just like, oh, yep, he's talking to me. But, yeah, I mean, I, I could highlight the whole chapter, but let me ask you, like, how do you see yourself not being kind to yourself? I don't see that. Okay. I see the fruit of it. Oh. Right? I got nothing. Yeah. To offer. Right. I got nothing. And it's that flinch when my text notification goes off. It's just, oh, oh, no, somebody needs, somebody's reaching out. Yeah. Don't want to call. I want to call my mom and check in. Don't, it's just that I got nothing place, yeah, right, to right. offer. Yeah. yeah, it's that. Yeah. I like this. This sort of addresses what you just said. This world requires us to keep going at such speeds that we end up having only one emotional state towards everything, a general, haggard, hazy condition of on. Okay. This is huge. I got to the place where I didn't like people asking me, how are you doing? Hey, man. Oh. Right? Yeah. Good to see you. What's going on? How are you? It's like, don't ask me that because I'm haggard and I'm wrong and I'm running and I don't know how I am. I don't know how, right? Right. And you just lose yeah. the ability to answer the question. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked in for a while. Mm-hmm. So yeah. don't ask me that. <laughs> right? Right. And yeah. do you really want to know? Yeah. Because it going to take a while for me to actually tell you yeah, if I e- could figure it out. Exactly. So that's another symptom of yeah. I'm not being super kind okay. in the way I'm living my life, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And you know, and one of the big ideas, and people, people fight this, but we've been saying it for years at Ransomed Heart, the way you treat your own heart <gasps> is the way you will end up. Is that in there? <laughs> is it? Yes, it's in this chapter. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yes. You have it highlighted? Yes, I okay, do. Okay, go ahead. Treat people like you treat yourself which I think is one of his brilliant hidden exposés in it, because we quickly realize if we treated our neighbor the way we typically treat ourselves, we wouldn't be great neighbors. <laughs> the difficult truth we don't want to admit is this. The way you treat your own heart is the way you'll end up treating everyone else's. Yikes. So, Sue, how do you see that play out in your world? Because I know in my own, a lot of times it'll be Kelly that I tend to be the least kind to if I've had a hard day at work because I'm beating myself up and then I come home and am not kind to her uh, in our conversation. How do you see that play out in your world? If it's been a tough day at the office, like where will that spill over? Well, I don't have someone to be mean to at home, so it's not that necessary. But I, I can tell like I'm I'm short. I'm I don't have any margin. I don't have even, you know, driving down the road, somebody drives stupidly and I, you know, want to chase him down. You're ready to kill him. You, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, it's like an overreaction. 
yeah. to something that's not that big of a deal mm. or mm-hmm. going to other things to numb mm. the, mm-hmm. whether it's TV or looking on my cell phone or, yep. you know. Or that third glass of wine we shouldn't have yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, well, right? well, I don't it's, know what you're you talking know. about there. <laughs> well, so y- you do say um, in the giving a, a try area, the pace of life is a good barometer too. What's the pace you're currently demanding of yourself? Would you ask the same pace of someone you love? You know, how do you modify your pace when it's out of my control? I have deadlines. I have, my mom has appointments and she keeps having appointments. And, you know, how do you manage a a different kind of pace? I don't know how to do that. Yes. In the non-negotiables, we are getting whipped up into a pace that we are taking into everything else. So even how fast we eat, right? Mm -hmm. And how fast we try and get through things that we actually have an option on, which is why we introduced, gang, that one-minute pause. And we've been shouting out that app for a while now, but let me give another shout-out for it. Like, literally one minute, Mm -hmm. you know, to just reset and let things go and calm your soul. There are some very simple things we can do. I don't have to drive fast. I really don't. Mm-hmm. You actually don't get there faster. And and I love proving that now. You know, the people who are angry at me for, you know, not going 20 over the speed limit. So they blast past me. And I catch up to them at the next light, you know, <laughs> and there they are sitting there steaming, you know. And I'm honestly the guy now in the slow lane. I'm that irritating guy because I used to be the guy in the fast lane. So there are some things, like just the, how fast you drive your car. Yeah. Right? How fast you're eating, how fast you're praying. You know, in some of the areas that aren't work, demands, crisis, need, we're just carrying the pace of work, crisis, need over into everything else. Sure. Conversations with people, right? I I don't need a 20-minute conversation, but I can tell by my attitude I want people to get it over with. Just tell me what you need and get on, <laughs> right? Yeah. Instead of, well, we are talking three minutes, three minutes, not to be that guy and, and to just listen and go, okay, yeah, really? How was last night? You ate what? Oh, that's awesome. You know, we were talking about meatball recipes yeah, yeah. the other night and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, it's like there, you actually have some room. There is some grace in our day. There is some space. Mm-hmm. But we're carrying the pace of the chaos over into everything else. Yeah. Right? And so you talked about, you know, kindness to yourself is the chapter that you Mm -hmm. were drawn to, how to be kind. And I find I'm least kind to myself when I start to believe it's all up to me rather than releasing it to God. So for me, that's a good barometer is if when I'm beating myself up the most, I'm the least kind to myself and thus less kind to others. When I really start to kind of pull things back and look inside, it's like, yeah, I started to think this day was all up to me and the pressure was on. Sometimes just that thought that, okay, I can't get it all done today and there is too much and the pace is too fast and it's not up to me now to figure it out. I'm going to ask God to reprioritize the day or reorder the rhythm. That's a big help to me sometimes. Yeah, that's good. And you know what connects for me, you guys, is disappointing people. 
I realize that it is my fear of disappointing people that causes me to be very unkind to myself and stay the extra hour at work, get those next emails knocked out, you know, don't don't be late, don't let people down, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and to recognize, whoa, 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 that that is actually another area that I have some room. I, I can say, I'm sorry, I won't get that to you for a couple days, you know? And that's a kindness yeah. to myself. And, and I, it, you know, it just happened again today, Alan, and something you and I are working through and the publisher's asking for some things and they want it yesterday. Right, right. And the reality is I could stay late mm-hmm. and blast and get that done, um, but that would not be kind that would not be good for my humanity. That's, you know, sometimes you have to do that. There's, there's exceptions to all this stuff. But as a way of life right. is what we're talking about. As a way of life, that's not a good way to live. But what's compelling me, to be honest, is the fear of disappointing. Right. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're just jumping in with us here, this is the second part of a conversation that we're going to do for Get Your Life Back, my new book. And they've got a neat pre-order thing going on right now at johneldridge.com. If you order before February 11th, which is kind of the official date, you get some uh, immediate access to some of the book and some of the audio book, and you get some unique podcast uh, content material that Stacy and I did, and you get a one-hour live video session on me teaching about how to learn to let it all go. So there's some neat offers there if you want to do that at johneldridge.com. I want to come back to something in the passage on Get Your Life Back that my editor actually wanted me to pull because mm. he didn't think it was relevant. Let me just read this. The subheading is Unspoken Unrealistic Expectations. I received another one of those videos the other day, an email from a friend with a link and the enticing line, you've got to see this. And it was impressive, no question. A beautifully filmed video of a professional dirt bike racer who had taken up surfing and wanted to combine his extreme adventures. So he constructed a dirt bike he could actually ride at high speeds on the ocean. Really? (laughs) The gorgeous project was filmed in Tahiti. The climax of the video is him actually catching and surfing a wave on a motorcycle. Impressive. (laughs) Outrageous. In the battle for our attention, this one is an easy winner. It's arresting and completely unkind because the cumulative effect of this stuff sets up all sorts of unspoken, maybe unconscious expectations within us. I don't think we've given any thought of what it does to the soul to live in a culture where that kind of stuff is the daily fare. This shows up all the time in my inbox. I know you get them too. First, it was base jumping, folks leaping off cliffs and tall buildings wearing a parachute or parasail. And that became routine, so it elevated to jumping without parachutes in squirrel suits, flying through the air to safe landing zones. Now that's routine. So the video I got the other day was of two guys jumping off a mountain with no safe landing zone within miles, flying in squirrel suits through the air and making their landing into the door of an airplane. (laughs) <laughs> That's crazy. The incessant upgrade of everything. Now, here's, here's the deal. It sets up an unspoken set of expectations that if, unless your life is YouTube-worthy, your life is stupid. It's boring. 
right? Why else would anxiety and depression and envy rise in direct proportion to one's consumption of social media? Because we're comparing our lives to what's online. Creeping in is the message that if your life's going to measure up and be wonderful, it has to be fantastic. And I go on to say, I think that it's shaping Christianity. I think it's shaping expectations. But here's the paragraph. Here's the gold. We do need more of God, much more. Little sips between long droughts will not sustain us. We need more of God in our bodies, our souls, our relationships, our work, everywhere in our lives. But when you live in a culture of the incessant upgrade of everything, the sensational, it gives the impression that if you're going to have a deeper, richer, amazing experience of God, it's going to have to come in some sensational way. And I have some wonderful news for you. Nope. Not even close. Life is built on the dailies. Think about love, friendship, marriage. Love, friendship, and marriage are not built on skydiving together, trips to Paris, kayaking the Amazon. They're not. Maybe once in your life you might do something like that, but the fantastic is not your daily. Love, friendship, marriage are nurtured in the context of simple things like coffee together, hanging out, getting a burrito, holding hands, taking a walk, doing the dishes, reading to one another, or just reading different things while you're together in the same room. It's the little things that build a beautiful life. React to that, Subi. Well, I was thinking about that, the the sensational, the, the big, the over-the-top, I guess. I thought to myself, I don't struggle necessarily with that because that feels so unattainable. Okay. That's not. Okay. But I do this exact same thing when looking at someone's posts of their amazing husband and they're touting all the virtues of their perfect life. And, yes. Um, you know, it's their anniversary and they want to honor them. But when I read that, that's I go to the same place of okay. resignation. Comparison. Comparison. And like that kills my heart. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it's the sensational guy riding a motorcycle in the ocean. Yes. Or looking at something I don't have that someone else does. Someone else's wonderful yeah, life. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But it never takes me to a good place. Yeah. So it's a hard-pressed couple weeks for you. Yeah. Work is demanding. There's mom, there's the dog, but on Saturday, you texted Stace and said, do you got room for a walk? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you came over, and the three of us took the dogs for a walk. It was half an hour? Yeah. Right? Right. And it wasn't amazing. Right. But it was really life-giving. Yes, it was really good. Right? Yes. It was, it was cold. It was cold. And it was like... All the better because it like woke us up. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. Right? Yeah. And it was simple. And it was simple. Right. I should have posted about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's really good. But that's the point I'm trying to yeah. make is I really do think that we can find care and kindness in the windows of our lives. Right. I think we can. Yeah. I, I, think, I think getting back some of the things you love whether it's cooking or reading or walking or, you know, uh, we can get our humanity back. We can, you know, and it's in these little windows where we don't need to be online and we don't need to be on our phone and we don't need to be comparing our lives on social. Yes. Right? 
or asking more of ourselves, and this is kind of the chapter on just kindness, like what would a kinder pace of life look like these days? So, Alan, as you think about kindness to your own life, what's going to change? What's going to change is all the things that I've been saying yes to, I think. And by that, I mean, you know, John, you were talking earlier about you could have stayed late getting an email done or getting a project done. Since I've read this chapter, I've been able in kindness to myself, but I think in kindness even to the relationships around me, to be able to say no a little bit more or not now. So an example is just yesterday, a good friend said, hey, I want to get together and spend some time and I want you to talk to me about this issue, but it's not urgent and I just would like to get together when you can. Well, I would have put pressure on myself to have done it that day, that afternoon. Yes. Or for sure in the next two days. Yes. And I just reached out to him and said, hey, it's actually a really critical season for me to do some soul care. And so I'm trying to make myself available to breathing more and being more present. And and I want to be present with you. So could we do this 30 days from now? And wow, I was a little nervous to send it because I want to come through. Yes. But I knew that was the kind thing to care for my own soul. And he got back to me and said, you have just modeled for me something I need to do more of. And yes, 30 days is great. Take 40 if you need it. And so that kindness, I think, if we'll just give ourselves permission to not let everything, some things are urgent. But on the non-urgent things, to give ourselves space to breathe and, and push some things out, mm. to care for ourselves in the dailies, I, mm-hmm. that's been huge for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm seeing that it actually works. Like, I, w- I wish yeah. we could call Kelly right now <laughs> yeah. and ask her, how are you enjoying that? Right? Because the fruit is part of what we're talking about. Jesus said, I want you to love each other right. like you love yourself. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. And it's a brilliantly rigged command. Because you're like, of course I want to love. Ooh. Ooh. Like myself? <laughs> I don't need, I, ooh. Oh, that's not, yikes. I don't love myself very well at all. I'm not even kind to myself. So as we introduce that, as we begin to practice that, the people around you are going to feel it, right? Yeah. What and, Kelly told me was she, you know, she's not in the studio here to answer, but she told me just the other day, you've got your smile back. Mm. And I wasn't even aware of, mm. of that, but I knew I was having more time to be present mm. for her by not saying yes to a hundred other things. And I don't mean to give too much family information, but Alan, your stepdad uh, just passed away. Right. And you had to get to Texas and there was, you know, all that that goes around a family member passing and the pressure's there. So folks, I'm talking about, you know, these are people living really full lives. And yet, the you know, what you're hearing from Alan and Sue and me is that there is a way. There is a way to begin to be kinder to ourselves. And that's one of the graces of healing the soul, which lets you receive more of God, more of your life, yes. right? And more of your humanity being restored. And it's lovely.